Hey, all welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm joined by Kyle. Hey. We got Kevin. Howdy. And Jonathan. Well, hello. That's the whole crew right there, guys. All right, we're going to start off with a question for you right now. Game of Thrones uh, has a new MMORPG coming out for mobile. And to me, I'm like, oh, cool, Game of Thrones MMORPG. I'm in mobile. I can't stand those. So I'm asking you guys, is there a franchise you'd be willing to play their freemium game for? Kevin, let's start with you. No. <laughs> no i okay i've tried playing um star wars this there's a ea has a star wars one i forget what it's called that i got pretty hooked on for a little bit um and then star trek has uh fleet commander or something like that i tried that the, the got ad into, is selling it to me right now yeah for that one <laughs> yeah I, I saw that ad like one too many times and just said screw it i'll try it um i don't stay on them for longer than a couple of weeks though so short answer no no. <laughs> what about you, John? No, yeah, that's I, I don't know. I can't get into those. They're just usually not worth it. And I, as little time as I have to game anyways, I want to get a, a tried and true game. Yeah. Kyle, are you out there? Are you, you, you pressing those freemium buttons? Just to, you know, contradict the other two. I'm willing to try something new if it's yeah. like a franchise worth revisiting. Like I have always been behind the idea of like a Pokemon MMORPG. Mm-hmm. I'm not really into Pokemon Go so much. But if you take out the word mobile and just have a Pokemon MMO, like I'm oh, there, yeah. I want to check it out. That'd be fantastic. There is one online that's illegal that is fantastic to play. But um, yeah, I, I, I have I have um, purposely downloaded some MMO, or some uh, freemium games. I remember Raid Shadow Legends. I wanted to support the variant YouTube channel. So I purposely downloaded it and then signed up for their clan and all that jazz. Um, but that game was such a great example of why not to play mobile games, where it was like, Every time you do anything, there's like four pop-ups you have to take down of like, you don't want to join our season pass? Like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'll go past all those. And then the other freemium game that I actually got into pretty good was The Simpsons Tap Out, which has a lot of like buying donuts, but was really good, really fun. A lot of inside jokes for The Simpsons. So that was probably, I would say, the one franchise that I would definitely be invested in. Um, if I wanted to go back to a freemium game, it would probably be that one as well. But yeah, I don't know. And, and it's a, one of those things where I think the younger generation are just so much more into mobile gaming than we are that they don't even see this as a problem at all. So yeah. there might be a disconnect. It's, it's weird, the differences in generations. And that, that's always been the case. But gaming, since we grew up with like the, the development of gaming, we see mobile gaming as something lesser, which it, it, in a lot of instances it is because it's not a full on like full fledged game. Um, I did want to throw out there though. I am willing to try Raid Shadow Legends if they want to sponsor us. Oh, okay. that's a good point. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Raid Shadow Legends. Let me know. I will get in there and I will delete this part of this podcast. No, <laughs> There's a few times I've mentioned them. I have to take out then. Um, but yeah, I. I mean, it wasn't like it was the worst thing. <laughs> no, I'm trying to backpedal. <laughs> yeah, Raid, prove me wrong. Raid, let me know that these freemium games are actually good. Sponsor us, and I'll try it. Join the Geek Freaks clan. Okay, moving forward to some network news. On the next Trick Freaks, they're working on TOS episode 26, Errand of Mercy. I want to mention real quick, though, if you guys are listening to your podcast through Spotify, uh, we do have polls that you guys could answer while you're listening to the episode. So for the example of the last one was, should Kirk have killed the sentient being right off the bat? Yes or no? You guys could enter in and see what other people think who listen to Spotify as well. Pushing Buttons, Pushing Buttons will be doing the polls as well, just not yet. Pushing Buttons is going to be talking about games they wish to revisit. 
it's great that you guys are here. Let's see what uh, pick one game that you guys wanted to revisit from that list. Uh-oh. Look at Kevin's face. <laughs> that, we recorded that two weeks ago. I don't remember. <laughs> it has been some time. Um, I know I'd like I've been... to revisit that episode. <laughs> <laughs> like for myself, I've been really dying to play older like PlayStation 2 era games. Like I got a whole survival horror collection I haven't really touched in a while. Like I'd love to check out like the Yakuza series again. And uh, you know, just a lot of classics from that era. Yeah. They go in depth, guys, on their podcast, so check it out, pushing buttons. Um, and again, they'll also start having the polls soon. Not this episode coming up, but the one after that. Sloop, we're doing the penultimate episode of the Book of Boba Fett. It is getting so good. If you guys have watched episode five, all I wanted to do was like yell through the mic. I think I kinda did actually during the sloop. Uh it was it was the best version of star wars ever i will say that that's that's how high that bar went up that's high praise yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward um, to it i'm excited for you to get there and then uh i wanted to thank you guys for supporting our, our last interview was with will and alan writers of the pocus hocus comic book a fantastic comic book they smashed their goals like in the first 24 hours so that book is going live i've already got my you know hard copies uh everything coming in so i'm excited to, to see how far they go um, and Will and Alan will definitely be back on the show again. They they seem to be a fan favorite, so that's always cool. All right, let's go ahead and get into the news. We're gonna be talking about Ubisoft and NFTs. Yay! <laughs> don't mute! Don't mute! Don't mute! Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me put that in right now. <laughs> so there was so. Let's start off with Jonathan. Can you kind of break down what you think NFTs are? Yeah, so I'm no expert in the industry, nothing like that. Let me get that out front first. Um, but NFT stands for non-fungible token, if I understand right, which yep. is a digital uh, coin, a digital token, a representation of a thing that is is unique and holds some kind of value. So the best representation I can relate it to uh, growing up, you know, in our generation and everything is Pokemon cards. A Pokemon card is a piece of paper. It has a picture on it. It is worth less than a penny in real life, you know, in, in uh, physical value. But because somebody's a big fan of Charizard, that one Charizard could be worth $10,000. So, you know, based on the condition and all that stuff. So, a NFT is a, is a bit of code. As far as I understand, it is unique because it is linked to a certain, you know, uh, blockchain. So, yeah. because cryptocurrency is, is evolving while in the process of, you know, logging those crypto transactions that's what gives it it's a u- unique identifying number or whatever um but you can get a nft of you know a unique yeah, uh, figure i know uh disney released the yeah, piece of art yeah yeah disney released the ones that were um mickey mouse and walt disney and they're all gold and there was a limited release of that so it takes somebody a little time to design it and you know there's a certain amount of code that goes on it and then that is something that theoretically can appreciate in value over time so it's kind of it, a lot of people are are skeptical about it nervous about it because just like you know we don't really understand a hundred percent it's not something uh it, just like how we don't understand why pokemon cards can randomly be so valuable or why some person putting interest in gamestop all of a sudden will quadruple its stock value and then six weeks later you know or a week later it can crash it's it's something that's still uh a little sketchy, but a lot of people think it's uh, 
the future of investment. So yeah, it's at least well, the future. It. It's at least the future of money laundering. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's all a cryptocurrency. <laughs> it's all on the yeah. It's the ah. next season of Ozark. I know that much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. Uh, yeah, so I think you explained it pretty well, Jonathan. I think you broke it down pretty good. Um, yeah, so Ubisoft and a lot of gaming companies, and and I will be upfront with this at e3 an indie company was introducing an nft uh action figures and stuff like that through their game and i was really excited about it because i was like hey it's a cool way for indie companies to try something new in steps ubisoft who's like yeah remember how we're assholes let's try that again (laughs) and so (laughs) they went and and now like they're pushing their kind of like not a battle pass system but you know all the skins and different things like helmets you can get for your characters and stuff like that all through this nft system and the fans do not want it I mean, it has been overwhelmingly negative. People don't want people to get into NFTs. There are many downsides to NFTs. The, um, the hit on the, uh, the amount of power it takes to make an NFT because of cryptocurrency itself, it's very power consuming. So then it's not great for the, the, the environment, for the planet. And Ubisoft's outtake, outlook so far has been basically, don't worry, we'll get to, we're looking at the end game. We know it's not good for the planet now. We're looking at the end game. But there's a lot of fans that are like, we need to worry about the planet now, actually. And so there's all kinds of problems. What other ways can NFTs be used in gaming, Kevin? Do you have any ideas? I think that the one upside that people have tried explaining is that, oh, imagine using your favorite skin from one game and being able to use it in a completely different game because you own it. But the game still has to be able to allow you access to that. And why is that valuable? (laughs) That's my question is like, why does that hold value? people right and that's kind of what ubisoft is pitching but then again it's like yeah but ubisoft you're the one that's doing that and we already have a system like that me and kyle were just talking about this before while you guys recording uh trek freaks we were talking about how like every time i get into a new ubisoft game i always make sure to pick up the ezio skin with the ubisoft coins that i have and that way i'm using my ezio skin and you know rainbow six and that's but that's already in the system i don't need an nft that says i own that ezio skin the fact that it's ezio is the reason i like it but that's the thing is that you using your Uplay points for that, which you don't pay for. You don't pay for the Uplay points. That Nobody exactly. makes any money on that. Yeah, see? And that's the difference right there, because Ubisoft's like, hold on, how am I going to do stuff for free, right? They got to step in there. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Of course, this is already something that nobody likes. And then Ubisoft VPs had to go in there and start doing an interview with Finder.com that just infuriated people, including myself, where they belittled us so much. So I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown of what they were saying, but they were basically saying, we're going to keep going forward with this. We know that there's been a negative outlook. We expected a negative outlook. And the reason it's so negative is because people just don't understand what NFTs are. We have to explain to them what NFTs are. We're going to, we're going to put the pieces, puzzle pieces together, and they're going to see the wider puzzle and understand everything. We're going to help them out in understanding what NFTs are. I thought that was very belittling. Kyle, do you think Ubisoft is the company that's going to teach us about NFTs and make us accept it? Well, uh... Speaking from my own point of view, I think Ubisoft is basically talking to an empty room. Nobody wants <laughs> to even pay attention to this or even learn about NFTs. I know from, you know, just my little knowledge of it, like I don't know hardly anything about NFTs aside from the COVID special of South Park. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, they have a huge job ahead of them if they expect people to pay attention and listen to them. Yeah. What do you think about them shoving it down our throats? Kind of like, like thinking like, no, trust me, you guys are going to like this. Have they had success with that in the past? 
I mean, it's give and take. I think uh, a lot of things that they've done before, especially for their most recent franchises, it's kind of just fallen flat in their face. And, you know, moving forward, if they expect people to pay attention this time, they have such a huge undertaking ahead of them. I think uh, overall, yeah, they have a lot of work to do. On that note, um, Jason Schreier uh, from Bloomberg, he actually, I'm reading my phone, I'm looking at my phone right now because it's yeah. a, a, um, Twitter. Um, he actually <laughs> says Ubisoft is such a bizarre company. During the same week that the, this is kind of leading into something later on, so sorry to, to spoil that, but uh, during the same week that they shut down Hyperscape, they fail, uh, their failed attempt at, uh, to chase a buzzy new trend, they defend the plan to sell NFTs. So they try to jump on board with something that they see as trending. And they fall flat on their face and they've done it. They're doing it now, both the end of the cycle and at the beginning of the cycle at the same time. It's right. It's so crazy to me how this company operates. Well, and and it bugs me, too, because it's like when you guys just make video games. Yeah, it's the same formula. We I mean, we were talking about that four years ago. But I like that formula. And and even when I was like, look, I just don't want to play any Ubisoft games today during the stream. I was trying to figure out what I was going to play. I was like. Well, four of the five games in my backlog are all Ubisoft games. So, and then that fifth one was a Blizzard game. I was really kind of stuck. <laughs> like me being a responsible consumer is killing me right now. I can't play any video games apparently for stream. So I had to, I had to dig out. A, I think actually a better choice over all of them. But um, yeah, it was, it was really tough. And it's like, I'm just a fan. And then I want to throw out this too. And I think it's, it's part of the industry as a whole has really been trying to pitch this thing like NFTs of the future. Just shut up and listen. Gameindustry.com or .biz actually uh, is a very useful site and it's kind of like the deadline for uh, Hollywood. That's what this is for video games. And they put out a poll saying that 56% of Xbox, PlayStation and PC users want NFTs in gaming. Well, then Daniel Ahmad, who he does a lot of things, but one of the most useful things is that he has a Twitter account for gaming news. He put he made sure to reiterate the fact that uh, this marketing intelligence firm cured 1,500 selected users from an NFT crypto gaming panel, a subsidiary of Good Gamer Group. So it's like they asked NFT fans, hey, do you guys want NFTs in gaming? And their response was like, oh, yeah, I think I do like that. Well, if you're going to pick that kind of group, that's what you're going to get. And I hey, think that, that we're seeing that in all of gaming, really. I've got a poll for the, for the three of you guys. Do you guys like the Geek Freaks Network? You know what? I think it's a pretty solid Those network. Guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, and that was higher than a 56% yes rate. So that just shows how popular we are. I mean, this is how unpopular NFTs are in gaming. That's a very good point, actually. 56% is not very good for when you're leaning in the deck that's so hard. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like the, yeah. the car manufacturers, how they make their own awards, their own award companies <laughs> yeah. to give themselves awards, but they have to word it a little bit differently than what the other guy's award is. It's just sad. Yeah, when the Bronco wins the Ford, the Ford SUV award of the year, it's, you know, it's pretty impressive. I gotta say, <laughs> if, if you have to explore, especially Ubisoft, when it's fifty-seven percent. Right. If Ubisoft ever ends up winning a JD Power and Associates award, <laughs> then we'll start talking about it. Right. It's you know we see Ubisoft and their lack of innovation in their franchises. This is their definition of innovation now. It's just really, really difficult to see latching onto yeah. a trend. Exactly. Yep. And it's too bad because it's like you guys could just be like taking something that's working in an indie game, which used to be how they used to make video games. They used to see something working in an indie game, buy the company, hire the guys, or just steal from them and make that the new future. And instead, they're just like, you know, this one thing that we can make a lot of money off of. Let's push that instead. And it's not really pushing the industry forward. It's just forcing players to fall within their rules. Um, 
Okay, and then I want to make sure to read this one last thing. <laughs> I got out loud reading going on. Um, and, and again, me and Kyle were talking about this. This is a tweet from John uh, Boyer. And it, to me, it's the best way to explain NFTs. And I think this is a good way to kind of encapsulate my thoughts on this. This is going to be a bit wordy, so get ready for this, boys. When I was little, someone purchased me a star for me, a star for me like a real star. Out somewhere in the galaxy, I had a photo of the star framed on my wall. We had written coordinates of the star's location and a little blurb about how it belonged to me. The company that sold this to me no longer exists. In fact, many companies weren't in this business selling stars, keeping registrations of who owned the stars. There was no way of knowing if, if your star had already been sold to someone previously, no way to prevent it being sold again, and there is no way to physically claim your property. Virtually, all those companies are now defunct and their ledgers are buried in uh, the sands of time. So anyways, enjoy your NFTs. <laughs> and to me, it's, <laughs> it's like so perfect because I remember as a kid wanting a star <laughs> and it's like, oh, great frame on the wall, bro. But you don't, you're not going to go in and ask and be like, excuse me, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is my star here. Um, so I kind of think that that's just <laughs> where we're at right now. Yeah, um, I was going to say my last thought on the, this whole thing with Ubisoft specifically, um, I, one more tweet that I want to read because we're just reading other people's tweets today. That's the podcast now. That's um, the new future podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott Lowe um, on Twitter. He's a director of marketing communications for uh, That's No Moon Entertainment, but he used to work for Naughty Dog. He's worked for Activision, IGN, a bunch of other companies. So he's yeah. big in the industry. Um, he, he says, pro tip, if the consumer doesn't get it, they haven't failed you have so if you're selling something that somebody doesn't get it's your responsibility to tell them what it is you're selling to explain Mm -hmm. it to them to talk down on your audience that we just don't get it because we don't want it that is your fault not ours fuck ubisoft well put (laughs) yeah i think i think at this point that's kind of got to be the soft model i just had a great idea i mean they own the south park license right ubisoft they can just make a south park game have butters <laughs> explain NFTs to people. Perfect. I might actually play that. They should do that instead. <laughs> oh man. Honestly, to me, the best thing they could do if they if they really want people to to engage with NFTs and want to buy them, so that they're not. I, I don't think they're expensive to make. It's all digital code. Maybe it takes people's time and stuff like that. And once you make one, you could say there's only going to be one of these, or there's going to be a thousand of these of that specific one. Give some away. Give some away to people yeah. so that they start to have a small collection of them, just like you would when you you get an Xbox and you get the the you know stickers inside the game or whatever, and you could save them and now you want to collect them or things like that. Or Funko Pops. I wasn't into Funko Pops. Obviously, Frank has a decent collection behind him, but now that I have a few that people gave me as gifts, now it's like whenever whenever I'm in the store, I'm kind of peeking like, oh, do they have you know a rare uh-huh. one that I really want to get? Is there you know I'm definitely going to get an Avatar one if I see it, but you know I just don't. I think if they were just to make cheap ones that they give away and kind of get people hooked, they can look like some of their favorite characters from their favorite games. Once people are uh, have something invested in it, which just be free NFTs that they can brag about. Now they're trying to convince other people that there's value in them and they're going to be trying to get more to build up their, their collection of them. So they, they are very cheap to make. Basically it's the cost of the one cryptocurrency that has to be tied to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have looked into it because I was going to make free Geek Freaks ones just to like this free, you know. But then even I was like, this is just too stupid for us to get involved with. So I backed out. <laughs> I like to think that we're a little bit smarter than Ubisoft then. 
So <laughs> just of, a just little ahead of the game. <laughs> no, I was gonna say Steam actually did that with uh, not NFTs, but uh, they have the trading card system for games. Like you play yeah. a game for a certain amount of time, you get four trading cards. You can't unlock the others. You have to buy them to complete the set, or you sell the ones that you have for five, six cents, whatever. So we've seen that there is a market for stuff that doesn't really hold value, like you were talking about, and it does work digitally in with video games, but you can't force it. Like. I have hundreds of Steam trading cards because like John was, Jonathan was saying, just get them for free. And for some people that works to start the collection, other people, they just ignore it and don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Also, right now, I won't see if you if you have 30 NFTs of some really rare kind, I'll never know. I mean, you may tell me about it, but there's nowhere that I would see it until someday if we do get the, the metaverse more developed and you have a, a, a digital presence online somewhere then uh, you know, I would go to your shop or your house or whatever and see the, the big statue that you have that was the Mickey Mouse NFT and the you know, rare orb that you have that was the Ubisoft certain game NFT or something like that. But until then, what, how do I see what you have and how, how do you brag about what you got? You know? that's, that's a great point, actually. Like, you know, considering achievements, like I love getting achievements, but do you guys care that I have achievements? I don't think so. I do, Kyle. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> there, there's, there's like a soft level of bragging, but not to the degree that I think Xbox thinks that you should care. Well, for right. yourself, you get bragging rights. You know, you can, you know, gloat all you want. But do people really yeah. care that you have that stuff? Like, no, not really. Yeah. I, I mean, at least from my work, perspective. And Kyle's the only other person that I'll, that'll get this is the mount off that happens sometimes in World of Warcraft. Exactly. That's the only time it actually matters to me to actually have more collectibles than somebody else. <laughs> and... Yeah, that's such small bragging rights. <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, you guys buy NFTs if you want to, but be responsible consumers. It is hard as we're learning because there's so many things that are, I mean, like now I'm not watching Ant-Man. So, I mean, you guys do what you want to do, but um, yeah, it's, it is pretty tough. Um, but yeah, let's go and move on to the next one because <laughs> NFTs, I'm getting exhausted talking about them. <laughs> hey, all this episode is brought to you by We Are Marvel Podcast. They are an MCU-focused podcast. Every month, they talk about each MCU movie in release order. Their latest one covers Ant-Man. Good time to jump in. We Are Marvel talks about the pre-production, interesting facts about the movie, and a short talk about the movie itself. Between those, they cover random MCU topics or a review shows or movies that have recently released. I love this podcast. If you like us, you'll like them too. They're knowledgeable, fun, and it feels like you're just hanging out with your friends. The best part about podcasts. Be sure to check out We Are Marvel. Their link is in our description. All right, we have Peter Dinklage. He's been criticizing Disney over their reboot of the Snow White live action movie. Now, Disney, you know, they're, they're really proud of, of their progressive move in uh, casting a Latin actress for Snow White, and that is great. But then Peter Dinklage, he's on the Mark Maron podcast, and he had some uh, some stuff to say about it. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to use a clip from Mark Maron's W2F podcast. Please go check it out. Mark Maron is really good. He's kind of like Joe Rogan if he was a good guy. So go check that out. I'm going to go ahead and read this out, and then I'm going to try to actually put the clip in. Okay. Well, you know, it's really progressive to um, cast a, literally no offense to anything, but I was a little taken back by the very very they're very proud to cast a, 
a Latino actress as Snow White. Yeah. But you're still telling the story of Snow still White. Snow White, yeah. Seven Dwarves. Sure. So, look, take, take a step back and look at what you're doing there. Yeah. I know. That makes no sense to me. But, oh, so... What, you what, can be, you're progressive in one way, and then, but you're still making that fucking backward oh, story of about- <laughs> seven dwarves living in a cave. To get, what the fuck are you doing, man? We, you know... <laughs> Have yeah, I yeah. have I done nothing to advance the cause <laughs> from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. And so he's saying, like, I am Tyrion Lannister, damn it. I've done so much to show that we're more than just our dwarfism. And yet you guys are making the story about these miners that are known as the seven dwarves. Uh, Disney's response to this, of course, was that to avoid reinforcing the stereotype from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We have later on learned that they're actually going to make them like magical creatures instead of dwarves. Uh, Jonathan, do you think that this is enough from Disney? And, and what kind of... Do you agree with Peter Nicklage? I'm assuming you do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause this is interesting because it's not something I would have ever... I would have never seen this, never realized that uh, that Snow White and the Seven Dwarves could be... A, Offensive to dwarves, to little people, because yeah. it just, I don't know, I just, it's not something that affects me personally, so I just never thought about it that way. And, but it's great that he points that out, and, and definitely, like, if that is something that offends, a, you know, a certain group of people or certain culture, then 100%, we need to make changes to it to, to show them in a better light. And it made me think of uh, Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit with the, yeah. that has, I mean, not only Hobbits, but it has the dwarves in it too. And why that didn't cause some kind of unrest, but it's because, to me, I think it's because they are heroes and they're, they all have such great strengths and they're all painted in a positive light. And I think the traditional Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you know, they're quirky and they each have their own, you know, characteristic, but they're not, they're not heroes. They're not, you know, uh, great characters. They're just the dwarves that, that she, you know, takes care of or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember the story. It's been it's been a million years since it came out. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think changing the characters to make them uh, reflect the dwarf community positively would be the best thing that Disney can do. I wouldn't I wouldn't change them to be completely different creatures and not you know because then you're recasting. It's like if you had the the story Mulan but it was offensive to people so you change her to be uh, a white girl or an american you know it's like well now you're not you're not propping up that race or that that people you're just replacing them and telling a different story and that doesn't do them good either so oh, uh, i like i like what you're saying there you actually use this moment to to elevate a people yeah. instead of just being like well then it's not them i yeah. see what you're saying now yeah like you don't that. just re- replace the dwarves with totally different creatures now if these are these magical creatures are dwarves that each have their own cool powers then i think that that will help bring them up especially if you cast them you know with dwarf actors uh but yeah to to just completely change it and just take it out of out of their realm i I don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't do that you bring up a good point where it's it's amazing how i didn't think of it as offensive at all but that's because i'm not in the dwarfism community and so you kind of think like, what else is there out there? And that's why we have to keep an open mind because we just don't know. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't affect us. We have to keep an open mind to learn about that. And and then again, yeah, Lord of the Rings, it, uh, funny enough, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, 
I wonder how people take the hobbits and the dwarves from Lord of the Rings, a storied franchise that I haven't heard any negative outlook for. And I think it might be because the Lord of the Rings franchise, Middle Earth in general, it, it actually has like a really rich culture. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's first off, you know, they're not necessarily exactly our dwarves, which I think the, the Snow White ones are supposed to be actually like human dwarves. Um, but they, they're their own people. They have their own culture. And, uh, and, and even between hobbits and dwarves are very unique and different in size and in culture. So there's like more to it. Also, I don't understand. Uh, like, it's great if they're trying to be more inclusive, but changing Snow White for a, a Latin uh, actress. I don't understand that because isn't she Snow White? She's supposed to be like all white. Isn't that her character's like key factor? I, the only thing about her is that she's right, just I think super that white. Is actually her legit last name in the in the story. I don't think it's actually like she's super white. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought. I mean, I, Damn, I just, bro, you hella white. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Right. Um, okay. I don't know because like literally the guy's name that comes and kisses her is Prince Charming. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think who I mean like I don't know if it was Brothers Grimm, but whoever wrote this one wasn't like I got, I'm good at names. Check this out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't right. think that was just bragging right. Anything we say, it's it's really rich coming from a group of four white guys, yep. right? It's, <laughs> exactly. Take, right. It, it, but I think John hit the nail on the head perfectly. Is we don't think of these things because it doesn't directly affect us. And then you, Frank, iterated it by saying to keep an open mind, and that's honestly what we should do. And that's the only thing we can do is listen to people that are talking that are going through struggles of being like typecast or outcast based on their physical appearance and rather than you know who they are and i think that if these movies are telling stories of people overcoming that kind of stuff then yeah that's great that's fantastic that's what it should be but if you're just like making them something completely different to try to avoid the situation altogether i think that's kind of backwards and not helping anybody right I, that's very well put. And then I, I, I want to have a moment of honesty here. It's okay to take a second to actually get your mind open because, for an example, this is just me being honest and, and a little bit vulnerable. When I found out about, you know, the Little Mermaid recasting, hmm. that they're going to be going with a black actress for that. And me and Daniel were talking about it. When we first heard about it, we were next to each other. And I was like, oh, but why not just go like Ariel? Exactly like try to recast Ariel as in the Disney cartoon that I grew up with. And then it took like, you know, five seconds to be like, oh, it's because. It's a cartoon. It doesn't matter who's cast, who's playing it. And it's better for an entire community to see themselves within the show that they like or a movie that they like. And so it's fine to the first reaction to not be, well, this isn't my comfort zone. And then realize that, oh, but we should be more inclusive and make it everybody's comfort zone. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's, it's the ability to realize, oh, wait a minute, and then go from there. It's okay. So I think that's kind of where we need to go from here and end. And it's okay to, to just be like, hey, it's all right if we move and change stuff. I don't know. It's, it's a little tricky. Disney, of course, has a storied franchise or a history, and they use a lot of uh, even older stories in them. Is there any classic Disney movies or fairy tales that if it were brought back today would need some changing or modernizing for today's audience? Kyle, do you have any picks? Well, I'm in the camp that all of these Disney live action movies aren't as good as the originals. But, you know, that's, yeah. just, that's just me. I think what they it's can do. It's not just you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I fell asleep during Lion King, if that says anything. Ooh, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think they did a great job with Mulan in particular. They just tried to keep it as faithful to the original as possible. You know, granted, they didn't have Mushu in it or anything, but, you yeah. know, it is what it is. Um, 
you know, it'd be really interesting to see something like uh, Tarzan being adapted to like a modern day audience. And I think that's the biggest uh, reason for Disney doing this. They could just re-release the old animated classics and probably make a lot of money off of it instead of spending so much on these live action remakes. But, you know, it gives a chance to appeal to a wider audience. And I get that. Like, it's a business decision. Makes sense for me to, you know, have those made as opposed to re-releasing the animated stories. Yeah. Yeah, for myself, I'll I'll jump in here. I'm going to go right with Snow White myself. Um, If you guys think of how that story ends, literally a dude walking in the forest named Prince Charming comes across a dead girl in a glass coffin (laughs) and was like, I want to kiss her real bad. And so then he kisses her and wakes her up. That's problematic and probably should be adjusted because, like, how are you going to pitch that in the meeting? Like, if if it was today's, like, if you're making that a brand new story, like, trust me, no, 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 she's in a glass coffin. So she sees that she's hot. And so, like, that's how (laughs) he knows it's okay to kiss her. That obviously wouldn't go well today and it wouldn't need to be adjusted. So I'm interested to see how they're going to do that with literally the movie that we're talking about. Is there any other uh, properties, Jonathan, that you can think of? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, I got two, uh, but one okay. right off the bat, Cinderella. As much as you know, it, it's a classic story and everything. It it reinforces that a woman from you know tr- the traditional mindset back in the our grandparents' time uh, that a woman is only as valuable as the man that she can serve, and that's yeah. terrible. I mean, Cinderella obviously the stepdaughter has to cook and clean and serve her family because you know she's not loved in the house or whatever. Uh, but then she has to try to go find this this prince. She's her dream is to go to a ball and dance and you know meet this guy. And then you know she has to flee because the magic's wearing off. And you know it's like it would be so much better to me if they could recast that as instead of her trying to pursue this guy, her trying to get a uh, a college um, like internship or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. And so it's like her trying to get an education. And she's she's working hard at home and maybe like, you know, saving some, you know, coins on the side or something like that. And she's 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 studying at night and, you know, maybe the the birds and and the animals help her study. Maybe she wants to be a vet or something like that. And, you know, actually, you know, uh, encouraging her to go on and live her own life and not just pursue finding a man that will take care of her kind of thing. Damn, way to change that story 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Probably for the better. It's only the end game. (laughs) It's all being changed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Another one, though, that I've always... I think think since I've seen it as a little kid, I thought this this could use a different perspective, is Mulan. We just saw the new version of it, right? But the song that she sings, it's perfectly written for her to be transgender. When she talks about who she is on the inside, when will my reflection show who oh I am God. inside, that movie would be so well converted to her being wow. trans. She, she's a boy. She disguises herself to be a son to go fight in her father's stead. And she wants to be a man. She thinks she is a man on the inside and is trying to prove it. Well, my mind is, is <laughs> actually blown, John. Very good job. Wow, good. that is cool. That is, that's yeah. not something that needs to be changed, like, like we were talking about with it. But man, that's a really good take on it. I like mm. that. That could be a good oh, one. Okay. Well, that might be like another thing we talk about in the future, like movies <laughs> that have different meanings. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's good. <laughs> Kevin, you got anything? Uh, I don't have anything specifically. Uh, I did want to say that I, I, to some extent, I, 
I'm a hypocrite in saying this, but to some extent, I disagree with Kyle saying that he thinks that remakes should be faithful to the original. I think that it's not worth, in a lot of cases, and I'm definitely a hypocrite in saying it, like, I don't care, or it took me a long time to care for the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. Yeah. And it wasn't until I realized, until I heard uh, uh, an interview with Gene Roddenberry way back in the day, when he was talking about how he's hoping that someone in the future remakes in their own vision what he started, but keeps the the theme of it alive, or keeps the oh, the, wow. That's the, the background to it alive. Um, that's kind of what I feel it, these live action Disney movies are, and I haven't watched very many of them, but I loved Aladdin. Like I loved the cartoon version of Aladdin. I loved the live action Aladdin. It was really good. And I, I know people were talking down about Will Smith being the genie. Not I in this instance, I don't think it's because Will Smith's black. I think it was because Robin Williams had recently passed. Well, and he's such an icon, yeah. Yep. Tough. Um, but honestly, Will Smith fucking nailed it. Like he killed that role. Yep. And there's no way that you can live up to the the animated voice of a Robin Williams. You're not going to do that. So be a different character about it while still keeping the essence of what it is. And I think that's what the, these Disney live action remakes are. And they're not going to be for everybody. They're not for me for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's, that's the whole point of these remakes is to get the same story from a different perspective out there. So it's yeah. not just us white people seeing. And this is going to be woke hour with Kevin again. But <laughs> hey, we're we're four white dudes trying to explain <laughs> race right now. It's you know, there's gonna be people listening to this like shut the hell up, you four. But right, yeah, you know, this <laughs> is just yeah, our pitch. <laughs> D- Disney movies have been historically white based. Uh, like most of the the heroes are typically white yeah. characters, and I I think it's great to see them redone in uh, from other perspectives. It's it's necessary for advancement in culture in general. Yeah. Well, I think that was I think that's a good way to look at it and keeping it open-minded we'll, we'll we'll end on that making sure everybody stays open-minded and then let's just give it a shot. If you don't like it, that's fine. It'll go away. If you do like it, it could be a new classic. So let's keep an open mind. All right, let's talk about video games again. We're going over back to Ubisoft <laughs> cuz I didn't put these right in the, in the outline. <laughs> uh Hyperscape is shutting down before it even hit its 2 years mark. This was a like futuristic space-like uh, uh, battle royale. It had a really cool thing where while you're watching the stream for it, you guys could vote on what the players had to face. So like it would change the actual battle based off of what people watching on stream would vote for. That was cool. Um, anyways, it's not even hit its two-year mark. It's already being shut down. And then the wrestling battle game, uh, battle royale game called Rumbleverse is being delayed indefinitely. So... And I right now I saw Kevin shrug is I thought wrestling something would have gotten you excited, but I guess not. It's well, a we'll battle royale. <laughs> is this a sign for the end of the battle royale genre? I mean, it could be. Yeah. Uh, when you get to the point where only one game is the, the de facto leader in its genre, like World of Warcraft is with MMOs. Yeah. And we haven't seen that. We haven't like necessarily seen the death of the MMO, but MMOs aren't the same as they were before World of Warcraft. Um, Fortnite is basically the the battle royale game after PUBG. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's Fortnite now. Um, I'm so surprised. I don't like Ubisoft, and I don't care that their game is dead. But this game, by any other developer, I would have played it. Like yeah. I don't like battle royale games, and this game did so many interesting things. Um, that it, it would be the one, if not uh, Apex Legends, this would be the one battle royale I would have actually played. 
it did so many new and innovative things in the in the genre. I'm surprised that it that it died so quickly. But I'm guessing that they're just going to chalk it up to people not understanding what the game was. That's probably <laughs> it. See, you're supposed to be like the last one that survives, guys. We'll explain it to you. <laughs> Kyle, did you give uh, Hyperscape a shot? No, I didn't. I'm not particularly fond of Battle Royales, so I'm not the best authority on it. But mm -hmm. this says a lot in particular with like fads in general and Ubisoft chasing after them and, of course, failing spectacularly. And, yeah, just more of the same from them. Not surprised. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wonder what's the deal with this genre because again it was really cool when it first started i remember trying to explain it to jonathan was like yeah but the map is huge and then it like shrinks and stuff like it was a really cool idea yeah. fortnite came out of this thing and then and then just like ripped it up so john why do you think fortnite is so unbeatable uh i think it's it's um it's that impression that you know youtubers have on the young young generation that you know it's Ooh, yeah. it kind of went viral and then now when your friend at school is playing it and that's the cool thing to play. That's that's what these kids are coming home and, and playing. They, it's just what's it's what's hot right now. I don't think it's going to last forever. Um, like I, I played Hyperscape for a little while. I thought it was pretty cool, but I'm not huge into Battle Royale games, games anyways. It was cool that you can uh, get different vantage points. You could scale buildings and stuff like that. And, and uh, they had a massive selection of weapons. I didn't use majority of them still, I'm sure. Uh, but it had a lot of cool elements to the game. But it was just, it was another battle royale to me. I mean, like I've never played Fortnite just because it doesn't, doesn't interest me. doesn't look exciting. And I don't like when there's a game I want to play and everybody else that's in it, it plays it like a crackhead and they, they're so good that I, I die immediately. I just get really good at dying as soon as I walk off the pad kind of thing. So yeah. I want to see Jonathan stream Fortnite. Talk about everybody else's crackheads. I want to oh, see that yeah. so bad. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I play Fortnite mostly because the nephews play it. And so I'm like, well, let me play with them. And this is the game that they're playing. I, I mean, I, I will give it to Fortnite the fact that first off, they seem to just attract every, every different IP possible. Like you can literally be dressed as Batman using Spider-Man web slingers to get around the areas. That's, that's unheard of. Like my nineties version of me is freaking out over that. And so I think that's a lot of the longevity, but then Jonathan, you brought up a really good point. The fact that it's this, this repeating thing where like the YouTubers and streamers are streaming what's popular so the kids are talking about it and then because the kids are talking about it well then the youtubers and the streamers have to stream it because mm -hmm. it's what's going to get the clicks so then it's just going to keep going until eventually that snowball runs out of snow so i yeah. think you're right there or until something else hot comes out and an influencer tries it and then the yeah. people that follow them all of a sudden like oh hey that's going to be the next train we gotta we gotta jump on it and then something else catches on fire yeah, and the key is that the developer has to know what to do with that sudden fame because we've seen like Among Us catch that fire and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden like, well, then it peters out real fast. There's been a lot of Splitgate, like it's really big and a lot of people still play it, but it doesn't have that fire it had in the beginning mm -hmm. because the developers didn't know, okay, well, what do we do with this now? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Luckily, yeah, Fortnite had Epic in their corner. It was like, we know how to make money, so we'll, we'll do this. We'll handle it. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready for the new Minecraft. That's what I want. I want something like Minecraft, a big game like that that I do like. Because mm -hmm. Fortnite, it's I again, I just play it for the nephews. I they always keep showing me the new Mandalorian or Boba Fett skin that they have, trying to make me jealous. And I'm like, well, I've got this one that I paid three bucks for three years ago, and <laughs> I still do okay with this game, you know. <laughs> and I refuse to build anything in it, which is really anti Fortnite. Is Fortnite going to NFTs? God, don't tell them that. <laughs> I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure. I mean, it is. Just the yeah. way you describe the stuff that your uh, our nephews are trying to show off to you. Like, I don't well, know, yeah, that they, would definitely be an NFT object. 
Would they lose a lot of their licensing opportunities if they did that? Oh, possibly, because then you would actually own Spider-Man gloves. Right. Yeah, it's... Mm. I I don't think... I I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. I'm not going (laughs) to analyze that. Yeah. I will say for you Fortnite fans out there, did you guys see the new Green Goblin hover deck thing that you could get on it? Oh, my God. So normally when you're, like, jumping off the battle bus, you, like, fall from, like, a parachute below it. Well, this one you could ride on top of Green Goblin's... Glider. Glider. That's cool. Oh, man. It's so dope. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's so... Yeah. Anyways... (sighs) Go watch me stream that and play on my new player. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then talk about it at school and come check out Geek Free Stream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to go over to Kevin now. He's going to be breaking down the latest Pokemon game. Tell us all about it. Man. I want to be the very best like no one ever was. Well, it's, it's a little hard to get too in-depth because we're recording this Saturday morning and it came out Friday. But I've already put about five or six hours into it, and it is not bad. It's vastly different than the other Pokemon games. Like, I haven't played a Pokemon game that has kept my interest for longer than about five or six hours. Um, this one takes aspects from or elements from like Pokemon Go, where you're having to collect a shitload of the same Pokemon over and over again. Um, really? It's got a, a, a sparsely populated uh, open world, which there's been a lot of discussion about why the open world is the way that it is. It's so empty and desolate, but in my perspective, from my perspective, it's about seeing the Pokemon in their natural element. Um, I don't, it's, it's so different. It's fun. Like the whole purpose of the game outside of the, the story, which is very lackluster thus far is to fill out the Pokedex, like a Pokemon game. But instead of just catching a Pokemon, you have to do task lists, uh, for each Pokemon, like catch one of this, catch two of it, catch five, ten, etc. Um, for just one part of it, and then you have to like catch them during a certain time of day. There's ones for seeing different evolutions, and it, there's just a lot of mindless tasks that it makes it more of a Zen game than a Pokemon game for me. Like it's the combat can be kind of difficult sometimes, and I've heard some other reviews say that, but. I don't know. It's really interesting to see this take on Pokemon. It's it's vastly different. That's I can't say anything more than it's just so different than anything else that Pokemon's done in the past. It takes elements of Go with elements of Breath of the Wild with elements of a, a standard Pokemon game. Well, and, and it sounds like it has elements of Pokemon Snap, the whole task list thing. Yes. So that's kind of the whole point of Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the combat for it, does it feel like it's the normal kind of combat you'd expect in a Pokemon game? Yeah, actually. Um, it's It's kind of cool when you see a Pokemon out in the wild, you can try to catch it right off the bat. Because <clears throat> you, you don't just like walk in tall grass and then you're in another screen where an enemy randomly pops up. You actually see them wandering around. So you can throw a ball at it, try to catch it. Or if you want to weaken it, you throw one of your six Pokemon that you've got with you in your party at it into combat. And the combat is just like it is in the, the 2D games, but you're able to like walk around the battlefield a little bit and see it from different perspectives while well, still like telling the Pokemon what to do, what attacks to use. And- yeah, it's it's really interesting. Hmm. Okay. And then how okay, so you're five hours in. Do you feel like you're at the halfway point or are you just starting off? Like how long should this game be? Oh, um, I'm making it take a an entirely sh- an entire shitload longer than it needs to. Like I okay. haven't done the first part of the story yet. Like I've gotten oh, past God. the tutorial and then I do what I always do in an open world game and I try to eliminate everything there is to do in that area before moving on. And, yeah. and this game is not designed for that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm realizing that I need to just level up my party, my current party, and go to the next area. But it's so fun 
just and satisfying just to see those tasks get knocked off because you get money, you get XP, you get new uh, crafting recipes because there's crafting in this game because why wouldn't there be? It's a Nintendo yeah. game now. Um, yeah, it's it's better than Breath of the Wild to me because I did not care for that game. Well, the fact that there's crafting is much more Breath of the Wild than it is Pokemon. It has a lot. I guess it's Pokemon Go, Pokemon Snap, Breath of the Wild, and a typical Pokemon game all put together. That's so unique. Hmm. Okay. It really is. I, it's, it's hard for me to describe as somebody who doesn't typically play these games to be able to describe it to people that do. But it's, yeah. it's just different enough that it's really worth a try. At least watch a review or watch somebody play it on Twitch um, or something. If, if you're skeptical based on the graphics the load times make up for the graphics. Like the load times are instant. The graphics are lackluster compared to breath of the wild, but the, the, the smoothness of it and the, the load times make up for it. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I would play it, but I have so many other games in my backlog. And the problem is, is normally when I say that and it's like far cry, it's like, it'll be 20 bucks in three months. No, 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 not a Nintendo game. (laughs) (laughs) That, that game will be 50 bucks for the next 10 years. And then it'll go down $5. (laughs) It's not going to go down much. Um, th- those tricky guys over there. Uh, any questions for them, guys? Jonathan or Kyle? Nope. Uh, Kevin, as a previous player of the other games, like, would you say this is better than the traditional Pokemon game, or does it do enough new to justify buying it? If you are like a diehard fan of the old school Pokemon games, avoid this one. <laughs> that answers my <laughs> question. what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It does too much new that it scares a lot of the diehards away. It's I'm going to go back to that Star Trek reference I made earlier. Um, like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies were so different. It was a shell shock to me to to see how different it was than what I was expecting. That's what this game is to Pokemon, in my opinion. Well put, well put. But Breath of the Wild did that with Zelda to yeah. ma- major critical success. So mm-hmm. I don't think this is quite on that level, but it's. It's worth trying out if you're looking for something new in the Pokemon universe. Yeah, and I would I would argue Halo Infinite did the same thing too because yeah. Halo Infinite was such a huge change to the genre, and for some of us it was like oh what a breath of fresh air, and so um it, it is needed. Got to keep that open minded. Like we were talking <laughs> I was just about gonna say that. Yep. Yeah, and so that's cool. I, I actually I'm I'm glad I didn't get it now, but I am more open to getting it now after talking to you. So that's I think it's really important. Uh, let's throw a grade on this. What are you grading it so far? At only five hours in. Oh that, shit. With that asterisk in it. <laughs> I'm so hesitant to ever give review scores, especially this early on in the game. But so far, I'd say my, my experience with it's B plus. B plus? Solid. I mean, so far. I never thought I'd hear B plus Kevin giving to a Pokemon game. I so never thought impressive. I'd say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty solid. Uh, okay, so let's move on to, I'm going to be moving on to the February solicits. This is going to be a new thing we're going to be doing, guys. Um, so just in case you didn't know about comic books, well, the way it works, about four months ahead of time, Marvel, DC, and a lot of other companies will put out these solicits that are kind of like, hey, comic book store, these are what you want to order for April. And the April ones actually just came out. And I would, when we used to write articles, I would write articles about the solicits for the four months out. But I think what would be more useful to try to get people into game or into comic books is I'll go over the solicits for the month coming up, so like February next month, um, and kind of go over what I think are good game, good comic books to jump in on now. Not necessarily comic books to be like, oh, hey, go check out, you know, Detective Comics number 783 or whatever. They're so past that. But anyways, these are good ones to start now. 
Before I get started on this, Jonathan, you just got back into Saga. Saga is finally back on the shelves, folks, after a three-hour or three-year break. There it is. Can you give us a quick rundown on what do you think of that? Oh, I like it. I don't want to ruin the story for you. Yeah, don't. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot going on in that story already. Um, But I'm so excited. It was uh, sometime in 2018, I think June or July or something, it was the last last issue released. Um, So it's been a while, and it's so... It's so cool to be back. And I think I'm actually going to reread the rest of the series just to, to kind of get back. But I, yeah. I looked up on uh, it was Image Comics on their website to see when they're released. And I put in my phone a reminder so that I'll go to the comic shop and actually pick them up uh, every, once a month when they come out. Uh, I do it monthly. Okay. Yeah. So far, the story is really good. Uh, it has a little more nudity than I'd prefer with, you know, having a, I, I'd like to be able to show my son the stories, but. He's uh, named after one of the characters, so that would be nice someday, yeah. Yeah. But uh, they kind of joke about, you know, the, in the, this first issue back, that they kind of got to use some nudity to to you know, draw people in kind of thing. It, I yeah. didn't realize it until we talked about it later, but it was a little meta, but it was kind of kind of funny. But yeah. yeah, definitely a good story. I'm excited to be back into it. On that note, too, I'm also reading uh, Avatar comics. I I want, I need to get the last one of the, the trades, um, but those are really good. Um, and I want, I want to be reading more comics, but on Avatar, sorry to totally deviate, Perfect. Perfect. uh, but at the, um, one of the, not one of the creators, I guess, I don't know, somebody involved from, uh, Viacom, her name's Laurel Montgomery posted on Twitter two weeks ago that they are looking for creator designers or sorry, uh, char- uh character designers, character designers yeah. for, um, for Avatar studio. So they're making, you know, the, the next version of the series or whatever, more content. And they're trying to get more, uh, more designers in there. So if you guys know anybody, if you got some skills on, uh, you know, artistry or designing creatures or characters, cause they have really cool characters where they mash up two different species uh, of animals. Uh, I would love to be involved in anything avatar, but obviously I have no skill in art, so I can't do that. But that means uh, you can be quality assurance, Jonathan. That's and whenever you look at a video game company, trying to like work for blizzard, or whatever you apply for QA because their job is to play the video game. Nice. And then just say like, Hey, this thing's broken. You're supposed to know programming too, but if you watch enough Grandma's Boy, you figure it out real quick. <laughs> right. nice. That movie just a big, film. yeah, that's so, so realistic too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Avatar Studio, guys, it's the brand new studio that's just focused on Avatar IP. And yeah, they're, they're working on new comics, new video games, and a new series. So, I mean, so many cool things. I can't wait to dedicate this podcast to them. Right. Um but yeah, so, okay, that's good to know. And then, yeah, Jonathan, I, I borrowed the comics from you for Saga to catch up because I was mm-hmm. behind. And my stupid move is I've restarted the entire franchise again. So I'm going <laughs> to read from the beginning and catch up and then go. Because it's just so good, guys. It's really, really good. Yeah. All right, let's go over the February solicits real quick. So Aquaman is getting a reboot. Aquaman number one is coming out February 22nd. And uh, what it is is there's a terrorist in the middle of America that seems to be an Atlantean sleeper cell or sleeper agent. That went rogue. So Aquaman, this is actually called Aquaman, sorry. Aquaman author Curry and Jackson Hyde, who was Aqualad before, um, are teaming up together to try to uh, break down this Atlantean conspiracy. We have Monkey Prince number one, February 1st. I'm excited to get in on this one. There's a brand new hero to the DCE, DCU, uh, and it's, it's from Chinese mythology. So you guys know the Monkey King. This is the Monkey Prince. Um, and he finds, he's basically finds out that, Hey, your ancestry is that you're the son of the monkey King. You have these two adopted parents that are just trying to make you fit in. Um, surprise, you have this whole history and 
they're using a lot of symbolism from like there's a there's this mysterious pig like creature or character that Mark named Marcus trying to help him out. And again, that's all from Chinese mythology and stuff like that. So it's a really good way to kind of like introduce yourself to some of that. There is also a Monkey King video game coming up that I'm excited for, also from China. Milestone, you guys are familiar with that, is, is a Black-focused uh, comic book company within DC. Milestone is celebrating Black History Month with Milestones in History. It is going to be using a lot of their iconic characters like Static, Icon, Rocket, Hardware to tell stories of Black trailblazers throughout human hi uh, history. Um, like the military campaigns of Hannibal and Queen Sheba, um, Alexander Dumas, who made you know Three Musketeers, it's gonna be telling their stories through your favorite characters. So I think it's a really cool way to mix both worlds. Over on the Marvel side, guys, get in on this. It's only issue three out of five for the X Lives and the X Deaths of Wolverine. There are two different comic runs going concurrently. The X Lives of Wolverine is Wolverine time traveling to different times when he lived and kind of doing a Bill and Ted adventure on his own. Um, but you get to see like Wolverine during World War II or during Civil War, stuff like that. And then there's the ex-deaths of Wolverine. That's the future of like the effect of what he's doing in the lives comic book. So like if he changes something in the, in the past, the future version where it's like his uh, daughter and whatever, his friends are trying to like fix the things that he messes up while he's trying to fix things in the past. So the two comic books mirror each other the entire time. That's Going so five cool. issues. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Next one for Marvel I want to bring up, Spider-Gwen, Gwenverse. The reason you guys want to get on this is the freaking covers are dope. So Spider-Gwen's getting her own series, her own like Spider-Verse series, but each cover shows Spider-Gwen as a new version of Spider-Man and a Marvel hero. So like there's Iron Man, Spider-Man, there's Captain America, Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen. So check those out, guys. Spider-Gwen's getting huge and popular, and I guarantee you she's going to be in the future of the MCU real soon. And then the last thing I want to shout out, X-Men Legends, it's only on issue 12, but this is a good time to get back into it. X-Men Legends, if you guys aren't familiar, it's a continuation of the 90s cartoon X-Men. So right away, you should be in. But this is post-X-Men Die. So the last, like, 11 issues, X-Men Dies. And then that's what the world believes anyways. Mystique wants to try to uh, uh, figure out who's doing all the murder or stuff like that. That's Sky Forge. Nightcrawler and Shadowcat, who are injured but not dead, are digging deep into trying to figure out why the X-Men died and try to bring them back. So. If you're a Nightcrawler fan, I'm a huge Nightcrawler fan and Mystique fan, really, which, you know, there's a whole thing there we don't need to get into right now. This is a good time to jump into that, guys. So that's your February comic books to look out for from both DC and Marvel. If you guys want this segment in the future, please let me know. I don't mind, you know, waking you guys up to a couple comic books to start up on. I don't want to just be talking out of my ass, though. So <laughs> let me know if this is something you guys want for the future. Any of these comic books look interesting to you guys? I really like the idea of the the Wolverine X lives X dies the X deaths thing. That sounds so cool. Um, I'm also I you already have me sold on the Spider Gwen thing. I I yeah. haven't I don't have a comic book collection, but outside of some Star Wars shit behind me, so I need to start collecting something that's not Star Wars. Yeah, that's a good one to get into. The, what about I Kyle or Jonathan? There is a Star Trek run going right now too, Kevin. There's uh, yeah. I'm already a little too behind, but if I There's can get specifically cut. a Voyager one too, actually. Yeah. I want to try to get caught up on those. Yeah, I haven't been in a comic book shop in a while, though. I, I know. I drove down to your comic book shop to pick up your saga, yeah. and it was like, oh, men have been here in so long, <laughs> right. which I think is actually my comic book shop now, because anyways, <laughs> long story there. We want to go over on podcast, but yeah. Kyle, what do you think? No, what you brought up with uh, Spider-Gwen and how they're yeah. combining different superheroes, like I would love to see like a Spider-Hulk or a Spider-Thor. 
How awesome yeah. would that be? That would be really cool. And then there was a Spider Venom, which everybody Ooh. online right away just started like memeing the hell out of. It's like, wait a minute, Spider Man and Venom is a thing already. How is this <laughs> a new thing? But the way they made it was like, oh, that's pretty dope actually, because it's actually like Spider Man, or it's I keep saying Spider Man, it's Spider Gwen, Venomized. It looked really cool. It was pretty pretty dope. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, then like the personally, the comic book that I can't get enough of that I'm currently reading from Donny Cates is Thor. Me and Jonathan were at a poker tournament a couple of night couple of weeks ago. And I just spent the entire time like explaining the entire Thor story to him because I just I'm geeking out about it so hard. Um, so if you guys want to join in on that too, you can always discuss Thor with me. I'm I'm always up for that. All right. Anything else you guys want to get out before we end the show? Nope, nope, and nope. That is it for us for Geek Freaks then. And we will see you guys next week. Make sure to keep an eye out for both Pushing Buttons and Trek Freaks, both having brand new episodes coming out later this week. Take it easy, and you all have a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. I'm Kyle. My name's Kevin. And we are Pushing Buttons. Pushing Buttons is a video game podcast that we talk about pretty much anything to do with video games that we want to, and we ramble a lot. Well, Kevin, it's more than just that. There's so much more to our content. Well, yeah, we kind of go into a lot of our own experiences. We differ a lot with our experiences and our opinions, so there's a lot of back and forth pushing buttons to be done there. Hence the name of the show. It's on the Geek Freaks Network exclusively, and you can check us out each week on Wednesdays. Yeah, if you want to join in on some video gaming goodness, uh, look for it on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Give us a follow, and every week we'll be in your inbox. We'll see you there.